Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high-income earners come to learn wealth-building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth-building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into another episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name is Christian Allen. I'm with my co-host. You know him as Rodney the Pod Zabriskie. Rod, what's up, man? Hey, I'm doing well, and I'm excited to be here. I'm excited about today's interview. Okay, so today we're interviewing Dave Ferguson, and we're going to talk both money and business. We're going to learn a little bit about how Dave built a prolific business that now consists of uh, 19 locations, and I think he said 30 partners and 200 Mm -hmm. employees. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about how Dave invests the money that he's earned. So obviously, it might be an obvious thing to state, but Dave is both a high income earner, extremely high income earner, multiple seven figure earner, and has has a strong high net worth as well. And so from that, we thought, okay, well, let's figure out how we can do a little bit of both. So we're going to talk first about how he built his business, mm-hmm. and then we're going to switch gears and talk a little bit about how he invests in it and kind of what the philosophy is. So I thought it was a really great interview, Rod. I'm excited to get into it, but why don't you talk a little bit or just give us a little background on Dave before we jump into the interview? Yeah. So uh, he grew up in Lansing, Michigan, and he hits on that a little bit, kind of a, his humble beginnings. Yep. Uh, and But he commented, and this is my favorite, he says, I couldn't choose where I was born, but I got to Texas as fast as I could. So he he's in the San Antonio area now. He's a true Texan. He is. Yeah, or at he's least been there he, for a while he's now. an adopted true Texan, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, but he, he graduated top of his dental class at Ohio State. He actually practiced as a dentist for a little while and then went back and uh, into orthodontics at Jacksonville University. Uh, and when he graduated, he was awarded the prestigious Theodore Gerald Award as the top orthodontic resident. So anyway, That's successful impressive. in education, clearly successful in business and investing. And we get to hear a lot about that today. Yeah, absolutely. Dave really is a prolific business and uh, wealth builder. So we are excited to have him. And without further ado, we're going to bring in Dave Ferguson, founder of Celebrate Dental and, you know, three or four or five other businesses. And listen to the end that the last kind of comment he makes, I think, is gold, gold, gold. You're right. Listen through the end. Okay. Without further ado, here's Dave Ferguson. Welcome back to the show, everyone. We are super excited to have with us today, Dave Ferguson, founder of Celebrate Dental. Um, And we're going to talk about a lot of different things from how he built his business to how he invests. So Dave, we want to get into both of those topics. Oh, first of all, thanks for joining us. We're excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Christian. Rod, good seeing you. The same. Okay, so we're going to get into both of those topics. But before we do, we have to get a little bit of background on who Dave Ferguson is, how you got to where you are today. So just kind of give us the high-level background overview and and maybe not just like um, business, but business, family, education, all those kind of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks again for having me. Uh, you know, it's interesting when people say, you know, tell us who you are and how you got here. I'll tell them, well, I'm a poor kid from Lansing, Michigan, and I really am shocked myself that that I'm here. Uh, what I mean by that is I'm lucky in that I have a beautiful wife, 20, 23 years, uh, seven 
good kids uh, and they still pretend that they like dad, at least whether they do or not, <laughs> uh, they pretend they do. So, you know, I, I like most people didn't really know what I was going to do, but, but knew that I uh, wanted to find something that I felt like I could serve the world and uh, make a living and, and spend time with my family. It led, led me to uh, dentistry, uh, eventually became an orthodontist and worked in a couple different things. Nothing remarkable in the beginning part of my career. I, I did a lot of public health stuff, uh, worked for other people just as a you know, employee, W-2 employee in a, in a couple offices, uh, worked for the government for a little bit in a public health setting and just kept um, really reading and uh, just trying to research and, and learn as much as I could about business. And, um, you know, I don't know how much you want me to go in into it now, but eventually was able to found a company, um, Celebrate Dental Embraces. And, uh, you know, the other day we signed leases on uh, office number 18 and 19. We're in five states. There's 30 partners, um, probably over 200 employees at this point. So, you know, how, how I got here, you know, there's, there's lots of stuff that we could probably get into, but maybe that's enough for, for right now. Yeah, I think that's a good start. And, and I got to say, I'm feeling extremely outnumbered here because both of you two have seven kids. I grew up in a seven kid family, so maybe I can use that, but there you I don't go. have seven kids. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, that, I, I, that's super helpful, Dave. I think that's a really good kind of baseline. And we're going to dive into a few of these topics as we continue through the interview. So first of all, um, to, so you, you mentioned that you, you didn't know what you're going to do, but what, what ultimately inspired you to go into dentistry? <laughs> yeah. You just love teeth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've always just loved teeth. You know, it really came down to, uh, I was about to go to medical school. Um, I was even married at the time under the premise that I was going to be a heart surgeon. Uh, and all my wife and in-laws thought that's what they were getting into. And one day coming out of chemistry, you know, this kid said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to go be a heart surgeon. And I said, what are you going to do? And he said, I'm going to be a dentist. And I asked him, I said, well, why would you want to be a dentist? And he said, my brother's a dentist. He works for the government. He works four days a week and makes $60,000 a year. And I said, <laughs> you said you that's say, the dream. <laughs> I, I said, did you say four days a week? <laughs> you know? And uh, so that was kind of the beginning of a, of a long journey. And, you know, I stumbled into it, but I'm grateful for, you know, dentistry is a great career. There's lots of great careers. You know, the way I look at it is that's the way that I make money so that then I can try to figure out other ways to uh, generate revenue streams. So dentistry is, is while I love it and I enjoy it, it's a great career. Um, it's still something that I see as the way that I can make money to go make other money. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and really like you have to have a niche, a passion, something that, that generally you're going to become really good at. And so being, if you're smart enough, you can go be a doctor and a dentist. Um, if you're like Rod now, you have to, you have to build a financial services company. Okay, so let's shift gears a little bit, Dave, and talk talk a little bit about how you built your business. And and before we get into that, kind of what is it that inspired you to go into business? Because initially you said you were working for other people, you W two, you know, employee jobs, but then you jump from, and I know there's a long time frame here, but you jump from that that world all the way into this world where you're a CEO of a company that manages, like you said, 17, 18, 19 offices. How did, yeah. how did that happen? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I could say I, I'm su just as surprised as anybody, probably most, especially <laughs> my wife. But um, it really started, I think, like most people in business. I mean, I started selling candy at school when I was in sixth grade. You know, I'd, I'd go get some Jolly Ranchers at the at the convenience store for 10 cents and I'd sell them for for a dollar at school. And, uh, you know, when I had enough money to buy baseball cards uh, in my pocket when I went home, you know, I thought I was rich and you know, that just kind of started and, and all throughout life, you know, that was just kind of what it, what my mind thought of was, Hey, how am I going to get an extra buck so I can buy a new pair of shoes? Like I said, I think growing up relatively, you know, humble, I, I say poor, but you know, there's, there's different levels of that, but sure. you know, humble, it was just a matter of, Hey, how am I going to try to do things to, to be able to afford some things that I want? And you know, how did it, how did it happen? Like I said, I mean, I'm I'm an avid reader, uh, nowadays podcast listener. Um, and it was just listening to talk radio, even as a kid, I was scared to go to sleep in the dark. And so I'd listen to talk radio when I was eight, nine years old and started learning about words. I didn't know what they meant, mortgages and, uh, you know, all, all <laughs> yep. sorts of interest rates and things when I was eight and nine, you know, just cause I was scared of the dark, you know, and, and those things really turned out to, to be very helpful in the long run for me. And I'd tell anybody like a lot of this is just accepting the fact that, you know, if you decide that this is something that you want to do is build a business is, you know, it's very cliche to say, but just embrace the journey and, you know, don't look at the destination. And I think if you, for me anyway, uh, I enjoy the grind and I almost really, I think as I mature in business uh, building, I embrace the failures uh, because the, it, while it's cliche to say, it really is true. You learn so many things and you try to avoid the big failure, you know, you try to yeah. avoid the, the disastrous ones, but accepting the little ones along the way, I think is just part of the fun and part of the journey. Yeah. So I'm thinking about this, Dave, and a lot of people want to start a dental practice or any other type of business. And most people just don't succeed, right? It's, it's really hard to start and success and, and have success as a small business owner. Um, Maybe what are some of the things that you did that you do differently from like some of your peers who may have wanted to do the, the same thing, but just haven't been able to get off the ground? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question. You know, I think for me, where I see a lot of young budding entrepreneurs or, or dentists that are trying to start an office or, or kind of create a business, I see one of the mistakes that they sometimes will fall into, and that's they think of something um, that they want to do. Right. Like, hey, I want to mm -hmm. do this. And they they build a business based around what they enjoy, what they're good at and what they want to do. And I think early on, I just had some mentors that, that taught me well uh, that said, hey, try to figure out what people's problems are. And mm -hmm. luckily for me, I grew up with the advantage of dentistry was really expensive. And it was inconvenient. It was difficult for my parents to afford braces, things like this. And so I looked at those problems and I just thought, okay, what are the problems out there and how can we try to solve them? And if you, if you constantly think in, in growing a business, like what do people want? Not what am I good at and what do I like to do, but what are people wanting? And usually, uh, at least in my world, just probably because of my upbringing, you know, affordability is a huge part of it and convenience and, and obviously quality. So for us, that's what we went with was, hey, we're going to go with quality, convenient, affordable care. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Now, uh, 
I know you've had a lot of success in in building up partners. So you mentioned 30 partners at this point, right? In these soon to be 19 offices. So what would you say is your magic sauce when it comes to uh, partnering and, and kind of setting up that arrangement with the other dentists, the orthodontists inside of the Celebrate model? Yeah, I feel like I might be a motivation, uh, you know, calendar here because I'm going to use a lot of maxims and cliches that are that are that I've just found to be true. But one of them is just, uh, again, I always think of it from my partner's perspective. Like, what do they want? What do yeah. they need from this partnership? Um, and if you go into every negotiation trying to think of what does that person want and what do they need and and how do i make this a win-win and i use a, a simple you know phrase in my own head that that has been helpful and that's give to grow and the mm. more i give it seems to be that the more we grow the more i give to mm. patients the more patients we get the, the more i give to partners the more partners want to join our group and and it's this you know magical thing that you know it's easy to say hard to do. I'm not saying that that's always, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily come naturally to me, you, you know, a poor kid from Lansing, Michigan, I, I, and just by nature, I'm trying to keep as, as much as I can. And so I've yeah. had to fight that tendency, but it's really served me well. Um, you know, a lot of people say that, that it's some, there's some, you know, metric that gets tossed around in dentistry where like 90% of partnerships fail. Uh, that's not yeah, been that's our experience. Yeah. I mean, our experience has been 90% of partnerships are wildly successful. Um, like <laughs> I said, I've, I've got 30 partners right now over the years, I've had many, uh, in different businesses. And it, you know, I think because I just go into the situation thinking, how can I make it good for them? Mm. Yeah, that's good. And I'm going to kind of maybe follow up to that question a little bit and say, Ask the question, Dave, if for someone who's wanting to get started, okay, so let's just say in dentistry, it could be in business anywhere, but someone who's wanting to get started and maybe they're in the place that you were at, what's the starting point for that person? Like what kind of advice could you give for someone who just wants to be able to jump over that wall and get into the own your own business world? Yeah, again, uh, find a mentor, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the thing is, is about finding a mentor, there's different ways to do it. There's not a silver bullet. Like there's not a list out there that says, Hey, I'm a, I'm a mentor for people trying to start <laughs> dental businesses. Uh, but what I would do is look at people that are doing exactly what you want to do or something very similar to what you're trying to do. And sometimes, yeah, it's just a matter of like cold calling, uh, and, and like finding their email, uh, some way getting in touch with them. And then again, thinking, what does that person want? Right. And so my first couple experiences in life, you know, I kind of downplay it like, oh, I was just an employee for somebody. Really what I did was very intentional, which was, hey, go be an employee for people that were doing exactly what I wanted to do. And, <laughs> Absolutely. and yeah. And try to learn Great what advice. they were doing. And, and then like, try to give those people as much of like my human emotional capital as I could so that they were willing to share with me and open up. It wasn't just like, go get a job at that company. It was more like, go get your foot in the door and then work as hard as I possibly could to try to ingratiate, not, not in a manipulative way, but in a very sure. sincere, genuine way. Like, Hey, I, I, 
I think you're great and I want to learn what you're doing. And can I help you build your business? And in that process, you know, they, they would share and open up. I think, you know, there was no way a poor kid from Lansing, Michigan could do what I do without the mentors that I've had, uh, but they don't mm-hmm. just fall out of the sky. You know, mm-hmm. you have to be intentional. You got to go about, find them. You got to go find them. You got to go find them and, it, and you have to be diligent and you have to be willing to, you know, another thing that I tell people is a lot of people could do what I do if they were willing to go through the awkwardness and sometimes like the, <laughs> yes, the yucky feelings. Like, right? Yeah, there's a lot of insecurities. Like, you know, there's a lot of insecurities in my own life that I just have to like accept like, yep, I'm going to look like a, a noob. Yeah. <laughs> but what am I going to do? That's the price to pay, right? Well, I can yeah. attest to that. I mean, my experience has been very similar in the industry. I, I had to find mentors before I could before I could launch Money Insight. So totally get it. I think that makes makes a lot of sense. And did you did you find that you mentioned that you, well, now it's podcasts, but a lot of reading, a lot of talk radio, all that kind of stuff. Did, did you find that, that in some ways those people became mentors in a sense, like you were learning from them some of the, some of the keys to, to succeed when you got there? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's easier now than ever yeah. to live the American dream because yeah. there's so much good content out there. I mean, we all the, the people that are really into consuming, you know, good content, we know it. We're like, oh, dude, the secret sauce is out <laughs> like everybody's sharing all the secrets. I mean, in many yeah. ways, you guys are out there like sharing all this content. I mean, you know, why are we on this podcast today? Well, because somewhere along the way, you know, I heard about you through some podcast network and and now we're good buddies and I've learned a ton of stuff from you guys, you know, teaching me a lot of financial stuff that I'm very interested in. And and here we are on a podcast. I mean, that's how it goes. And there's probably yeah. somebody, hopefully there's somebody listening, maybe a dentist or or somebody that <laughs> there's says, a bunch of hey, dentists listening. I'm certain I mean, of it. And that's just it. It's like, you know, they'll be listening, they'll consume it, and this just goes on and on and on. You know, just give to grow. I, I think Google did a wonderful thing by making, you know, free services with like Gmail because th- mm-hmm. what they did was they built a, a, a billion person network of, of humans by giving stuff away for free. You know, they give it away mm-hmm. and somehow they're also the most profitable company in the world. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, they gave it away. <laughs> yeah. Hey, sorry for the interruption. Just wanted to let you know that you can take the F3 assessment right now over at moneyinsights.net. And after the short five minute assessment, you'll get specific recommendations that will help you move from high income to high net worth. Enjoy the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah, and and that was a little bit of a leading question because my kind of my point in asking that is just to point out to people that if you don't have that that mentor right in front of you, kind of like you were describing with people you were working with, you, you can still go find them. Right, they're they're out there, and and you can tap into them, and they don't have to dedicate any of their day to to you as an individual because, like you said, they're just putting that information out there, and and you know. The, the billionaire Mark Cubans of the world are, are totally willing to to be out there. And, and like you said, he's, he's very profitable in what he's doing. And yet, you know, he, he's an example of someone who's out there teaching and, and help people learn. So, okay. So with, with kind of all these things, all the cool stuff you have going on, uh, I guess what I want to now ask about is, is the bigger picture. So obviously with, with your family, with, with all the different things you have going on, what does a normal day look like in the life of Dave Ferguson? How do you manage everything you have going on? Uh, well, I probably don't do it very well. Uh, but I, you know, the routine is I'm with like anybody, you know, trying to, you know, 
improve their life. I mean, I, I wake up early, I make sure to get a good amount of sleep, uh, wake up early and start the day. And, and really it's just, you know, get the kids off to school, you know, do all the dad stuff in the morning and then mm -hmm. get right to the office and try to do the most important things in the beginning. You know, I still do a fair amount of, uh, dentistry, you know, that's something that, you know, we, I wish I could spend more time in a lot of young guys will come to me and they, they see maybe the 18 offices and the 30 partners and they, they imagine, you know, the, the glory of it. Um, <laughs> and they say, I want to do what you do. And I kind of, you know, do you? maybe sh it's not fair, <laughs> but almost skeptically think like, do you really want to do what I do in that it's not a glorious thing to, to build a business. I mean, it's, it's blood, sweat and tears and mm -hmm. it's just a, but it's a fun process. I mean, I, I wouldn't discourage anybody that blood, sweat and tears, you know, you look back, it's extremely satisfying and, and for me, extremely fun. But, um, you know, I took comfort. I heard, a. Jeff Bezos, you know, whether this is apocryphal or not, said something like, you know, every day he thinks Amazon's going to fail or, you know, he wakes up and tries to go put out all the fires. And, and sometimes yeah. that's what it feels like. But you look back and, and a lot of stuff is, has improved over time. Yeah, for sure. That I think that's been our experience, right? It's way easier to look back and see like the progress that's taken place than mm -hmm. in the moment to feel it. Okay, Dave, I want to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk more about the investing side and you've obviously had a lot of success in business, which has allowed you to have money to invest, right? And and those two things are important. Um, but talk a little bit about just your general philosophy around investing your money. How does Dave Ferguson think about investing money? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is, is uh, I think most humans, I'm like most humans in that I'm more afraid of losing it than, than I am energized by trying to gain more and more. And so, mm -hmm. You know, and and for me, that's important. I just don't want to risk the biscuit. <laughs> you know, yeah. I want to yeah. stay in the game. I know what failure means. I mean, I've I've started you some businesses. Yeah, I, I've started some businesses that haven't gone as well as as I would have hoped, um, and I've lost money on. So whether whether I call them failures, you know, that's always tough because you know, I, I, they were good learning experiences. Sure. I don't like to think of them as failures, but but I certainly understand that not everything goes up and to the right. So I think for me, it's just make sure that I'm not risking everything in any different business venture. You know, over, over the years, I've started quite a few different businesses and right now have, have a couple that are doing well. Um, but every time I go to start another one, you know, it's a calculated risk of, I don't want to risk everything. I think I take that into investing, which is, you know, try to diversify at the same time, not diversification just for the sake of diversification. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of silly, um, but a, a diversified meaning very safe, conservative, a little bit more risky, and then you kind of go in for the moonshots. And that's what I think of as diversification, not like, you know, 70 different things. It's more just, you know, yeah. allocation to, to different risk levels. Mm, yeah, that in a very a few sense. specific things, you know, I, I like to, to go deep on a few very specific things and then just change the risk level of those specific things. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, perfect. And uh, so I'm going to circle back on, on something. Now that we're talking on the investing side and, and you've talked about that you have invested time, right, in addition to kind of the money side of things. Um, but if you think about like a given week, how much time would you say you spend on your investment? So learning, researching, coordinating with operators, investment managers, and and then, you know, the actual carrying out of the investments? Yeah, you know, I probably should know that better. Um, I would say probably 
three hours a week on okay. kind of managing just kind of the investment stuff and, mm -hmm. and talking with people and making sure that <laughs> that I'm not messing anything up and the IRS isn't going to come yeah. take my kid's dad away or something. So yeah, uh, yeah, probably a few hours a week. Now, if you're talking about consuming content and learning more, even though I don't do many of those other investments, I'm certainly always listening to more. So if you count it all the time that I'm- Yeah, let's count that. Yeah, if I'm studying investment stuff, I would say probably- 15 hours a week. And, and some okay. people may say, well, when do you get that in? Uh, I wake up and put the, put the ear pods on, right? I mean, literally I roll out of bed, put the ear pods on and, and listen to everything on two times speed. You can mm -hmm. consume a lot of content, you know, driving in your car, driving to the grocery okay. store, you know, walking into buildings. I, I got the ear pods in. So probably obnoxious. I don't think my wife loves it, but, uh, <laughs> you know. it is a good way to consume a lot of info. You just gotta be careful, right? Yeah. Um, Dave, you mentioned that you go deep in in different kind of asset classes. What are the asset classes that you like? What and I mean, I know we already know obviously because we work together, but maybe just tell the listeners what some of those kind of core, um, not just philosophies, but actual like investment asset classes you like to work with. Yeah, you know, I don't know how detailed we can get, but I kind of see everything as like, I want to make the base foundation very stable. For me, you guys talk about it, I think, more clear than just about anybody I've heard, but I use uh, whole life, high cash value, whole life policies. There's different names for it out there, yep. uh, you know, Nelson Nash's you know, bank on yourself or, you know, I don't know all the different names that are out there, but high cash value life insurance uh, is something that I put as much money as I can. I overfund those policies. I put it in there. It's very safe. I love it because it's protected from creditors. Um, you can take tax-free loans. Uh, you can use the arbitrage of compound versus simple uh, interest. So that's kind of my foundation. And then like many people in the world, uh, I go with the oldest, uh, most successful <laughs> you know, investment in the world. And that's real estate. You know, I used to do my own, um, you know, single family, multifamily kind of quads and duplexes and things like that. And I think those are fantastic. Uh, for me in my life, it just got a little bit busy. So I've kind of, you know, pivoted towards letting other people manage those. And so just participating in, you know, multifamily apartment syndications is, is something that I do a fair amount of. Um, and then beyond that, I, I invest back in things that I know and control, and that's my dental businesses. Um, and other than that, you know, a few things I'm going for the moonshots. I, I love crypto, <laughs> you know, we're yeah. having a rough spell the last couple of days, but hey, we see it as a buying opportunity and, uh, you know, just cross our fingers. You know, I, I think there are there is a place for that, you know, small allocations for the moonshots, uh, if for nothing else to enjoy life, right? Like maybe it'll fa fail, but it's a ton of fun. So. Yeah, I love that. And and I think it's important, right? Like building wealth has to be more than just like pain, <laughs> if that makes it has to be fun, right? It's a lot easier to do if you can get inspired and excited about some of the things that are happening. So my experience is that people do better when um, they're adding a little bit of fun into the way that they invest. Um, okay, Dave, this is a general question, but one that I think will be helpful. What's the most effective way from your perspective to build net worth. And we may have hit this, but we're just gonna, we're gonna re-hit it. Most yeah. effective way to build net worth. Well, I think, you know, working hard, uh, generating money that, and then spending less than you, uh, 
you know, spending less than you earn so that you can use that money to, to invest and actually have the money working for you uh, rather than you for the money. And that's, again, something that sounds cliche, but, you know, if people are spending more than they make, well, then that's kind of a silly question to ask. Like, you know, how are you going to build net worth? You can't if you're spending more than you make. So whatever whatever it is that people are doing, you know, if you're if you are in that situation, then you've just got to understand, well, there's only two ways to fix it, like literally two ways to fix it. One, spend less money two, make more <laughs> money. And, and so yeah. if, if you can't spend less, if you really are, you've, you've, you know, skimmed everything that you could, then what you're going to have to do, um, is figure out a job or a second gig or something that you're going to be able to bring in more money. And, and, you know, beyond that, it's just time, <laughs> just time. keep doing it for a long amount yeah, of time. Do and it for a long work. period of time and, and create a larger and larger gap as time goes on. Right. Okay. Dave. So not including your business. What would you consider your most successful investment? Uh, hands down, real estate, you know, hands mm-hmm. down, you know, anything in real estate, because, you know, when it really clicked for me was, you know, yes, you can have a recession and the value of homes, you know, can go down on paper. I lost a lot of money on paper, but the people kept paying their rent, which meant mm-hmm. that I was getting amortization of the loan. I was still getting tax depreciation benefits. Uh, I was still, I wasn't, the only thing I was missing out in real estate, you know, was appreciation, right? Like the, yep. <laughs> the, the, the value of the home was going down, but as long as I didn't sell it, it didn't matter. I was still making cash flow. I was still, you know, like I said, getting the depreciation, the amortization, uh, all those things. And so I was still making money even when the value of the home was going down. And like most things, you know, it came back around. So once the value started going back up and then you get massive swings of, um, you know, appreciation, like we've seen yeah. in the last couple of years. And, mm-hmm. and the other is just inflation. I mean, what better time to understand the principle of how inflation helps people that own real estate, because those those mortgages that we have get easier and easier and easier to pay off uh, because there's so much money in the system. So, you know, inflation's mm-hmm. bad uh, on uh, at the grocery store and at the gas tank. Uh, but man, it's good when you when you own real estate and have those long, uh, low interest rate mortgages. Absolutely. We completely agree, by the way. I mean, that's why we preach real estate so much. We just think it's an incredibly powerful um, asset class. And and I think, you know, just as a as a plug for kind of what you guys do a lot of talking about, it's it's not just real estate. You know, this is one of those strategies that I think people, if they really understand, I try to tell people, look, I invest in real estate, but right before I do. I put it into my high cash value whole life insurance, right? To get all of those benefits. It's like a free death benefit, right? It's like, oh, and you get a, you know, a big sump of money, a lump of money, you know, if you happen to pass away for free, you you know, you can still invest exactly the way that I do uh, in real estate. I just Mm -hmm. get a whole bunch of ancillary benefits, you know, along with it. So I I think looking for strategies like that, listening to podcasts and learning about them, uh, I, I think is really what helps you ramp your, your net worth quickly. And inside of the real estate world, uh, where have you, where do you like to invest most? So you mentioned initially that, that you started in buying your own properties, single family and, and quads and whatever. Um, so now fast forward to today, where are you investing inside of the investment in the, in the real estate world now? Yeah. And I think this is a really important point. I'm glad you asked the question because, uh, you know, 
when I say apartment syndications, I didn't necessarily understand what some of these terms meant. And so mm -hmm. some people, I think in my mind, I thought, oh, like a REIT, like a real estate investment yeah. trust. The difficulty with those are you don't get any of the benefits, meaning there is no tax depreciation. Um, you know, the only thing you're getting is, is a is an increase in the value of the stock, but the underlying partners in that stock, they're, they're bleeding out all of the other benefits and they're just kind of paying like, you know, what's left over at the end to the people that, that do that. So I think it's very important that people understand what a private placement apartment syndication means, because with that, they're able to benefit. They don't have to necessarily manage it, but they still get tax depreciation, amortization of the loan, you know, all those things they, they participate, at least I participate as a limited partner on those. And, and sure, the general partners make, you know, a, a bit more money, but they should, you know, they're, they're spending all the time. What I'm doing is, you know, trusting. Now, I think it's very important that people find, uh, you know, operators that they really know, like, and trust, mm -hmm. you know, that's a, a saying Absolutely. that gets put out there and because they're, there's, they're not all created equal. Um, so, you know, I think that's really important. Find people that, you know, like, and trust that invest in those kind of people. Again, it goes back to the mentors, uh, and use who they're using in the beginning as you get your feet wet. And what, as you've been evaluating different operators, cause I agree, I think that is the most critical piece. What would you say are the most important factors for that people should be looking at as as they're evaluating operators history of deals i think there's there's nothing like what i tell like i'm an orthodontist now and when people say you, you know how do i know you're good uh how many cases have you done <laughs> right and it's just the the more you do by nature the more experience you're going to have and the better you're going to be typically because you will have experienced you know highs and lows you will have seen more and that just gives you a, a greater depth of understanding and, and security that you're going to be able to handle things as they come up so more than anything it's just would i really invest with somebody that came up with a great idea that wants to do it no matter how smart and wonderful i thought they were i i only really invest with with groups that have done it for a long time and have shown a track record of success over and over and over um, and, and I'm not so concerned if they've had a couple bumps along the way, mm -hmm. you know, as long as the overall, uh, you know, results of their, of, of their entire portfolio are good and in line with what I'm uh, accepting. Uh, and sometimes I'm almost like, yeah, I'm okay with a couple bumps in the road where they didn't go as well as they thought because they learned a lot from those situations and they're going to be better prepared to handle them, you know, in the future. So, you know, when I only see success, sometimes in the back of my mind, I'm like, eh, there might be a fair amount of hubris. There's a lot of groups that have had only success over the past five years. Right. And so they can point to, oh, we've only had success. And it's like, yeah, everybody's only had success. <laughs> you know? so it's like, right. That doesn't yeah, necessarily mean true. anything. Yeah, that's a great point because, and I think that's critical when when you're looking at at the the numbers and, and people showing their track record. If they're only showing you what's happened in the last, especially two or three years, man, that's that's tough to move forward and, and make assumptions going forward. Yeah, on, ideally, on you want to find an operator that's been doing it before 2008. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, see what they did during during the rough times, uh, and yeah. if they could show like they did okay and they had, like I said, you know, a couple little bumps along the road to me. I actually am okay with it. I don't, I don't know if anybody likes it, but I, I do appreciate, Hey, they've, they've had some licks. They've learned. Yeah, it's real. 
right? Mm-hmm. It's authentic. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And they're open about it and and uh, bring it up. Uh, okay. So now the next one is is uh, and a little bit more specific to kind of dentists or or maybe we we hear this from physicians as well. So coming out of residency, um, the the big kind of talking points on that is, hey, take max advantage of, of putting money into your 401k, invest extra in the stock market, stay away from things like cash value life insurance and alternative investments. So what would you say if, if you were in front of the newbies and they're just coming out of residency, what would you say? Um, you know, I would actually say that some of what those people are saying, there is some value to what they're saying. Um, you know, in the sense that are they ready for high cash value life insurance right out of their residency? If they're only contributing 10, 20, 30 bucks a month, um, I don't know if it's really time yet. What I would tell them is, is, hey, try to, if it were me, and look, there's different ways to make money. I I don't wanna pretend that, that, that my way is the only way, but what I would do is save as much money as I possibly could and try to reinvest it in myself that's the investment that nobody can ever take away from me like whether it's through more education more continuing education whatever the case may be starting a business and maybe even failing a little bit at that business i still think like the that investment in the human um is the only one that nobody else it's it's not affected by the stock market it's not affected by housing prices it's not affected by bubbles and commodities or anything else it's an investment that will always return uh, on itself. So I think saving the money and, you know, do I like the, the 401ks and the, and the stock market? No, like the stock market is totally out of my control. I have no say in whether Apple stock goes up or down, right? Like they're not calling me, asking me my opinion. And so, (laughs) you know, I don't love, you know, to me, that's almost as good as gambling. I know some people, they, they cringe when I say that because, you know, they're doing the 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 research and all that. And there is something mm-hmm. to be said for that. It's not totally like gambling, but it it is, there's a lot of factors out of my control. So what I would tell them is, hey, consume financial advice, like as much as you can. And if you need to spend money to, to get good advice, then do that. So invest in yourself. Um, there's a time and a place for all these things. If they can just sock a little bit away, I don't know if they need the fancy stuff yet there's going to be some minimums that are required you know sometimes in these apartment syndications there's minimums that for the most part those people aren't going to have that much yet so uh, i'd say keep as much as you can in 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 banks almost like cash is king and when when the time is right to deploy those funds if you have a little bit that's gonna be what allows you to get there so invest in yourself if you can start a business would be my advice Okay, so Dave, I was going to ask you a question before we close up. Are there any final pieces of advice? But I, I almost feel like you just answered that question. So, is there anything else that you want to hit on? I mean, you you told us to give to grow, uh, start a business. Like it feels like you've given a uh, hundred really good nuggets. But is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners before we close up? Um, I think you know, for me, what has been helpful is recognizing early on. Uh, well, no, not that early on. Recognizing eventually, <laughs> and, and I'm probably going to recognize more with time, that that I have insecurities. And if people are like me, I think sometimes I assumed that my mentors didn't, that, that they were ultra confident mm-hmm. and they knew exactly what they were going to do all the time. And that's why they, they were successful. And I think for me, what's been really helpful is the more I've gotten to know people that are really successful and and 
we really start talking and sharing, you know, the most successful people are actually the ones that are most quick to share their insecurities. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I think many times, like it's not the supreme confidence or knowledge level or skill necessarily that makes people uh, successful for me and the people that I've seen around me. It's that, um, and I didn't, I didn't recognize it in myself, but it's the insecurities that drive that success. And so with time, I've kind of leaned into those insecurities and said, Hey, I recognize what this is. It's the resistance trying to tell me not to do something and just being able to push through that resistance and then accepting the results. Like I said, like sometimes things haven't gone like the way that I wanted and just accepting like, Hey, obviously there's a higher power that wants me to experience this for better times in the future. And, and then just realizing like life is short. So whether you're, whether you find quote unquote temporal success or not, well, you better enjoy the ride. So I think that's the biggest thing is, is I was, I was blessed and was able to find happiness when I was poor uh, as a kid. And I've been blessed uh, to find happiness with a little bit of money in my pocket. And that's not always been the case when I was poor and it wasn't always the case when I was rich. It's still the, 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 the real challenge is uh, finding peace and serenity, not so much a couple extra dollars. So that, that would mm. be all I'd say. That's fantastic advice. Okay. I love it. Uh, if anyone wants to get in, in contact with Dave, you can reach out to Rod or I, you can find him at celebratedental.com, but you can reach out to Rod and I, and we are happy to connect you. Um, Dave's been a really great uh, friend and connection for us. And so I know he's active working with people uh, and would be happy to to talk to people. Okay, that said, Dave, uh, I think that's it for today. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. It's been awesome. We appreciate it. And we'll have you on again. Thanks, Rod and Christian. Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth-building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.